Namaskar, Narada. So, Manaranjanji, tell us about how you got into Ananda Mega. What brought you to the path of bliss? Oh, that's a, it's actually a really interesting story. I, I feel it was started many years before I even heard about Ananda Marga. Um, just certain choices and decisions I was making along the way. But what really catalyzed my uh, entry into the Marg was uh, my mother, actually. It was all her fault. <laughs> she, um, she's an art teacher, was an art teacher, teaching in Perth. And she was teaching a, a really gifted, talented uh, young Margie called Daya Prema. Daya Prema got a, um, some sort of maybe a scholarship. Well, she certainly got an entry into RMIT in Melbourne, where I was at that time. So my mum rang me up and said, you've got to go and look after this young woman. She's landing in, in Melbourne. She doesn't know anybody. She's going to RMIT. Um, and at my wife of that time, she was just finishing at RMIT. I kind of knew the ropes, uh, knew a lot of the people. Do you still want to say what RMIT is? Um, Royal Melbourne Institute of Technology. It's a, a very well-known and respected art school in Australia. It's one of the best. Um, it's now a university, but it wasn't back then in the 1980s. Anyway, Diaprema rocks up. And uh, she's a, a really inspired uh, Margie. So she and I get on really well, actually. And we, uh, we I, I was already doing yoga before that. So she invited me to a yoga class and she was teaching Koshiki and she introduced me to a group of the uh, young Duddas who, uh, who are Acharyas teaching meditation in Melbourne and Nabhanilananda and others um, we're all there and we all got on. I played music. They all played music of different kinds. And very quickly, from that was 1986. Uh, by early 1987, I was ready to be initiated. Uh, and uh, it just went from strength to strength, really. It was like a duck to water, really. It was just like everything that I'd been doing leading up to that all sort of came together in this sort of cosmic explosion. Well, it was for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it really turned my life upside down in some ways, but it made it all make sense for the first time. And how long after that before you were on your way to India to meet Baba? Um, so that, let's say April I got initiated and I was on the aeroplane in mid-December wow. to see Baba. I, I quit my job. I was teaching at a, at a high school in Melbourne at the time. And I thought, no, this is, I've got to go. I, I just had to throw myself deeply into this experience. And I also felt very strongly that I didn't have much time. I just felt like I'd left it so late. You know, people like you were initiated in the 70s. And here I was coming along at, at such a late time, also in my late 20s. And I felt like I just, just almost missed the boat. So I was running the whole time to catch up. <laughs> it was a wonderful sort of feeling, but it was also feeling slightly exasperated. <laughs> Why so late? So what was your meeting with Bala like? Oh, that was so interesting. Yeah, we, we land in uh, Calcutta and we end up on a train going out to... Um, the little township on the edge of Anandanagar. What was it called? Starts with a P. P, 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 P. Pundag. Pundag, thank you. Yeah, we're out to Pundag. And we, we couldn't get off at Pundag because they had a bunch of uh, Indian, uh, the Bengali police were there and they were all Marxists, though, because of the, um, 
the politics of the time was very, very turbulent. So we, the, the train actually stopped somewhere in the middle of nowhere at about five in the morning, and all of us uh, trooped off the train who were going to see Baba at Ananda Nagar, and we had to sort of walk up and down hills being led by... It was very clandestine. It was, for me, the first experience of really being in India... Uh, it was just, it was exciting. It was also quite disorienting. And I was kind of remember coming down into Anandanagar and it was like going back two, 3,000 years. It was, it was totally undeveloped at that time. And coming down, the sun was rising. There were these uh, monks off on the horizon line almost doing bath mantras and so on, standing next to this ponds and, and whatever. It was just like going back thousands of years into a, into a sort of yogic um, past life or something. I just felt so excited. So that was the actual entry into that Anandanagar space. And then it was later on, on that first day, um, we were out walking and Bubba would walk on the, on the rooftop of his uh, building there. And, and that was my first sighting of Bubba was just this small figure off in the distance. And I was kind of like, oh, who's this? I mean, what does this man mean to me? What is he going to mean to me? Does he really mean anything really? I had this kind of sense of disorientation and expectancy, but not an, I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so, so that was the very first sighting. He was off in the distance. He was, you know, a very small figure on the top of a roof, uh, being followed by his PA or whatever, someone holding an umbrella, that type of thing, um, which obviously became classic hallmarks of seeing Bubba uh, when he was uh, on field walks or out, out and about, was that kind of thing. It was a few days later that uh, the DMC... Uh, was, you know, reaching its peak and, you know, thousands of people were everywhere. The big pandals were up with the tents and they'd set up for, for Baba on stage. And I think I got roped into acting in some play for, for you know, that sort of stuff, which all everybody seemed to be doing. And, um, and then, you know, there was this build-up of this building up of Baba was, was coming to give a discourse. His first discourse that I ever heard was on Mike Revita. And I just was gobsmacked because, it, to me, it, I have a kind of analytical brain and it was just, it was, I was really getting into it. I was thinking, this is just amazing. You know, so it, it, that sort of intellectual fascination was there. But also the, the kind of electricity that would spread through the group, that there was this devotional electricity there that was way beyond any intellectual sort of stuff. And the, the way that wave after wave would build up, there'd be kirtan, there was, you know, uh, a whole range of, you know, uh, singing happening. And then, and the people were coming in, the people were coming in. And then, you know, at some point, Bubba was coming, so it was Papa and Peter, Bubba Ki Jai, and they were sort of shouting and yelling. You know the story, you were there many times. And there's kind of intensity, and then Bubba came on stage, and it was sort of like... Sort of all the air was sucked out of the room or the space, and you know he he sits there and he kind of nonchalantly looking around, doing the he had very distinctive mannerisms, which if you've ever seen a video, you would know the way he used his hands and the way he'd crack jokes, and you know someone would come up and garland him and, and that sort of stuff. And um, 
I didn't do uh, Koshiki or Tandava the first time, but uh, later on in that week, I got to do that for Bubba in one of those situations. It was probably the first, let's say, of January, the first day of January um, of 1988. But the, the whole atmosphere was electric, and that's what I remember most. I remember being fascinated by his presence and the, the, the one-pointedness of that. Uh, I guess that, that's the, the guru presence, that incredible bang like that. And of course, at the end of the, uh, of the uh, 31st of December um, DMC talk that he gave, he gave mudra. And that was my first experience, direct experience of the Varabhaya Mudra. And that was kind of like my whole being was, I, could, I would have to say recalibrated. I can't give it a better word. There was stuff going on and I had no idea what was going on. It, but it was, just, it was just wondrous. And that magic stays with me, you know, whenever I, uh, I, if I hear some of the recordings from that period, I don't even have to see the videos. There are quite a lot of them are available now on YouTube or whatever. Um, but yeah, that that feeling of an expanded world is what I would have to say is is what I get out of that, and that's devotionally expanded, personally expanded, culturally expanded, intellectually, the whole lot, you know. Um, and that's, you know, that's the gift of, of Guru to me personally. Um, and of course, I would have to say you don't have to be necessarily in the presence of someone like Baba to have that. I think uh, I've seen many young people come to Anandamaga who have, I can see it in their eyes. This, again, the same things that were going on for me in my early stages are going on for them. Yes, yeah, so that was my first experience of... Uh, Baba Adananda Nagar. Then uh, I went back December of 1988, December of 1989 as well. And each experience was qualitatively different. Each one was me getting to taste guru in a different way, I'd have to say. So uh, at the end of 1988, I went back and it was the same sort of theatre going on, but um, well, one thing was that I was uh, I got really quite sick with dysentery uh, while I was there during the the peak of this period actually, and I can remember seeing Baba in let's say on top of his the roof uh, like last time, and then seeing Baba also going somewhere in a car with people running behind and the dust rising up because the roads weren't sealed or anything. And that was, that was a special thing, but I could also feel that I was getting sicker and sicker and sicker, and I ended up with really bad dysentery. On the, on the first night, I couldn't actually attend the DMC Pandal. I was just so sick, and I, was, I remember hearing, because it was all uh, loudspeakered and everything, hearing the, the sounds of people cheering for Bubba coming on stage, and I was lying in, in my sleeping bag feeling absolutely miserable. And then there was this kind of other feeling came over me where Bubba was obviously giving a discourse and then Bubba was doing the mudra and you could hear the people and the shouts and everything and this wave came over. But then it felt like Bubba was standing at the foot of my um, sleeping bag um, in this kind and then I had this incredible blissful experience while I was sitting there feeling absolutely horrid um, and wretched. 
so that was that was a different way of, of realizing that when you have this relationship, a spiritual relationship with the guru, that something else is happening. Some uh, all sorts of stuff that you know the rational mind doesn't doesn't get. But it was very very sweet feeling and. Then the next day I was back enough on my feet to go to the, uh, to the uh, 1st of January, uh, the Renaissance Universal talk. And that was, that was wonderful again. It was another talk on microvita from memory. But what was interesting again about that was that I was able to, I, I was up very close and I was able to see Baba very much in action, uh, able to see his facial expressions. And... Again, it's just kind of like you're in a group of, let's say, 20,000, 30,000 people because there are massive numbers of people there. But what struck me was how I also felt that I was there with Bubba on my own in, in some sense. And I'm sure this is a common feeling that devotional, this devotional barb, you would call it, that you're there and suddenly there's somehow there's something about happening with that Bubba person up there, that uh, cosmic entity you'd have to say that is again you can't put your finger on it but there's he's touching me and later on uh in in that uh period that 1988 visit um we were back in calcutta and bubba was in the lake gardens and i was there walking along the uh, the street heading towards Baba, went, but he was going off for field walk and we were actually late, the group of people I was with. But as he went past, he told the car to almost stop and he did this very slow namaskar to us as he was, as he was passing. Uh, little acts of care like that are also things that I remember about Baba. We'd see him lots of times and there would be these moments when he would notice someone and you would see him give them this greeting and it was almost like everything stops. Just like that. Um, so that was the sort of things that were happening in 1988. And then at the end of 1989, Bubba was very sick and he was, uh, there was no Ananda Nagar uh, DMC. They did run a DMS at that time, but I chose to stay in Tildula with... Uh, where Bubba was, but he was also in hospital uh, over that period of time. And again, I got really sick. I can remember being horribly sick. Um, and there was just, what, a, a five, six days of ongoing constant kirtan in the big pandal there at Tildula. And there was no Bubba physically there. But there was this growing sense of uh, devotion. And when the... Uh, when the ambulance came in with, uh, with Bubba in and bringing him back to Tildula, uh, it was like the parting of the Dead Seas, you know, people just parted like that. And he came out and immediately he was doing Bubba thing, namaskar to everybody and they gave him his cane and he, uh, I think he hopped into the wheelchair actually and, they, and he was wheeled off. But it was uh, that waiting for Bubba uh, in the most ordinary of senses, uh, if you've ever waited for somebody who's been sick and you love dearly, it's that sort of thing, but there was, of course, that extra special group feeling of this massive amount of humanity packed into Tildula just waiting for the guru to return. And he jumps out of the, or he doesn't jump out of the ambulance, but he comes out and he greets us. I think you might have been there at that time, from memory. 
Um, but it was it was very it was just it was lovely, and it was um, at the same time when he was back and he was in recovery mode, he would walk in the gardens and we would wait outside the the, the compound fence type area and we'd have stacks of bricks and we'd be standing and peering over and I worked out of course that if you're up on top of the tilt of the buildings you can look straight down into uh, into that area and you can see Bubba quite clearly though a bit from a bit further or a distance so there was a lot of you know that kind of game of how how can we maintain our connection our physical connection with Bubba when he's kind of withdrawing himself from the world he was being withdrawn from the world through his own ill health and so on and and yet the this strong connection with with him was was there and the games that we would all play to see if which ways we can get to see Bubba and so on um, so that was the end of 1989 and into the beginning of 1990. And at that time I, was, uh, I went back to Australia and um, I was teaching at the Little Ananda Pali School at the time. And something just grew in me between, let's say, that return in January and sometime in, in, around Easter. And I thought, I have to go back, I have to go back. It just kept on going in at me. And I can't go back at the end of the year. Something was saying, I've got to go back. So I, I got tickets and I flew back in October, very early October of 1990. And um, I uh, rock up and Bubba's running at what you'd have to say, you know, 200, 300% of energy-wise. He's, he's only sleeping two, three hours a day. And he's, it was at this period that he, he, he started up the Gurukul uh, organisation, which is his university organisation, or education more broadly. Um, he was, you know, giving three, four, five Prabhat Sangeet in, in a day. He was initiating uh, into Kapalik many, many uh, of the workers uh, and he was giving PC out all over the place. And it was at this time that I was lucky enough to get my PC that uh, I walked in and almost there, there was one Dada there who uh, knew me from Australia. He said, Manaranjan, come here. And I said, okay. He said, do you want PC? And I said, of course, <laughs> I want PC. Uh, when? Sign me up. Um, so we went through this interesting drama in that lead up to PC where you had to do some classes, you had to take an exam and, and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and it came to the... Uh, oh, that's right. And, and then there was uh, Diwali or Deepavali, uh, or Diwali, depending on how you want to pronounce it, Deepavali, which is the, uh, a wonderful festival of light. It's incredibly crazy in, in India. It's all noisy and bang, crackers and all sorts of stuff. But Baba, uh, that was on the 17th of October, I remember the date even, uh, and Baba was... Uh, going to give a talk, which he did that night, and I did uh, Tandava and Koshiki for him. This is before I did my PC, and it was one of the most blissful times, I think I'd have to say, I've had with Bubba in, in any kind of collective setting. It was in the small uh, room in Tiljala, so it was much smaller, much more intimate, and but it was, I, I'd, I'd confess to an aesthetic kind of 
feeling and I really love beauty. And some, uh, our sister had given Baba a counterpane to go over his bed, his, his couch that he would sit on. It was uh, blue satin. And he came out wearing a pink salmon-coloured satin top and sitting there on the blue and the pink and it was just beautiful, aesthetically beautiful. And he vibrated this kind of subtle energy that was different from the energy that I felt before. And of course, this is totally subjective, but this is what I was feeling. And he, he gave a talk in Bengali, it wasn't in English. And I've often wondered where it ended up because I've never seen that date or that talk, it, but it was recorded like all these talks were. Um, anyway, uh, and at the end of that, he gave a really slow mudra and it was just... And it was the, the first time that something different happened to me. The, the, the mudras kind of would... I could feel them doing something, but this one was like an electric shock. And it was like straight through the heart and I was kind of vibrating all over. Um, it was, it was, it was Bubba at his, at, for me, at his most intimate. And I say that because when I had PC it was a more formal process, whereas this was more like a large family greeting or hug or whatever. And I remember it was also, there was a lot of comedy there because Bubba was initiating all these um, workers into Kapalik and and, you know, after being uh, initiated into Kapalik, it was uh, a system where they would all garland Baba. But there, <laughs> there were 20 or 30 or 40, I can't remember how many. There was just this massive crowd of, you know, uh, newly full orange uh, workers there who were coming out. And Baba got really annoyed. <laughs> they were all trying to garland him. And, and Pratap was there, who was Baba's uh, SS um, VSS guard, um, and Pratap was almost picking these these workers up and tossing them across the stage. It was so it was it was interesting because you had this kind of comedy going on, this drama, this theatre. At the same time as as there was this bubble there, and and I was just transfixed. So, uh, but I do remember that very clearly uh, because it was of the contrast. And then, uh, three, four days later, on the 20th, I, I, uh, in the morning, I was one of the lucky ones to get one of the last PCs with Bubba. There were, I was, there were two groups of four, um, and I was the first of the, of the, t of the, of the first group. Um, and that was, of course, something extra special, not simply because it was one of the last, but because it was my PC with other, and of course that personal connection is there. So I went in and feeling totally vulnerable, totally exposed. It was a really interesting feeling, you know. I thought, oh God, here I am standing in front of other who can see everything. <laughs> and, and, you know, Bubba was... It was, he's not, not physically, he wasn't a big man, but he was just like filled the whole room. And I was sitting there, down there in front of him and on the couch, and he was asking me questions about what did I do. And we, he would love the fact that I was a historian, so to speak. And I'd studied history, and we talked about history and archaeology. And, and then, of course, he, I say, of course. Uh, so there's this, there's a formula to PC, and, you know, it was kind of like Baba said, okay, so. Essentially, he said, you've been a naughty boy, right? And I said, of course, Bubba. 
hold out your hand. And he picked up his cane and he went like that. And he went down and stopped just above my hand and just tapped my hand like that. And, and then he said, you know, I've uh, taken oath. So I put, he, he told me to cross my hands across my chest and he put his hand on my head, which was, just felt like having Mount Everest on your head. It was, it was really like... And I took uh, a series of oaths basically to... Uh, to work for the benefit of humanity, but of course it was much more detailed than that, but I keep those oaths to myself in a sense, so I don't go into them in great detail. Um, and uh, the, as the PC was over and I was feeling totally kind of overwhelmed, and you know, he's, he would say this, I think, to every second person who was going out of PC, and he said, smile more. <laughs> Because I was probably looking very serious and, and sort of dumbfounded. Uh, but that was, you know, that was, I was the eighth class person to get PC and I always feel very privileged for that. And it makes me understand how it was or why it was that I felt I had to go back. And that calling to go back was so compelling. I couldn't explain it to anybody uh, at all. I, and people ask me, why are you leaving in the middle of, you know, a school year in the middle of a school term? And I, I had to go. And I also feel because the next day was the day that Bubba died and that was also obviously uh, a very intense, special time. But it was kind of like I, f I felt that Bubba had kind of done everything that he needed to do for every individual that was in that world, in the world of Brown Bubba. And Tildula was very edgy, very distracted across the day. No, I couldn't do proper sadhana. I was finding it really hard. Every time I tried to do dhyan, which is focusing on bhava, I, my mind would sort of skit and shiver all over the place. And as I started to notice the way other people were, it was very, it was very superficial. And it was kind of like bhava was, we all had to look away from bhava so he could actually leave his body. It's, that's my feeling. That's what it felt like. And it didn't make sense at the time, but in hindsight, over the days following, as you know, people came from all over the world, and I remember you coming, Narada. Um, we were we were all sort of there in in whatever role we were playing, you could say, in this drama. Um, that the shock on that on that evening was was immense because Bubba died in the afternoon. We were called into the uh, major pandal. Uh, GS got up there, and uh, but essentially he started yelling at us that Bubba is dead. Bubba's left his body. Bubba's left his body. Bubba's left his body, and he, he yelled it you know, many times. And I remember the data who introduced it got me there in line for the PC. He turned to me with this, and it was good twenty odd years older than me. And he said, "Now all the charm and fascination has left this world." And I remember the the absolute emptiness in his eyes. And I, I was feeling so many things I was, because I was thinking, I got PC yesterday. And he's, <laughs> I, I was feeling that sort of contradictions of feelings. It was, a, it was a really tumultuous time. But then it was like that evening, the moon was out. I don't know what phase it was in, but there was moonlight everywhere. And we were lined up outside the compound and we were standing there in silence and the sisters went in first to see Bubba in state, you could say, lying in state. And we'd all walk through the same room that I'd taken PC in the day before. 
and you know, whew, it was really, and everything was in slow motion. And I remember one of the daughters who got Kapalik the week before, and he'd been garling, trying to garland Bubba at the time. He was a, it was a little fragile sparrow of a man with a big white beard. He would have been in his 60s or 70s, I would think. And he was just crumpled up on the side of, <laughs> of a set of stairs somewhere, just weeping and weeping and weeping. You know, it was just like this feeling of the world has, forever has changed, you could say. And, of course, it was because of our physical relationship with Bubba. I mean, Bubba's gone on to have... Um, I, I've, I've not lost my relationship with Bubba in any way. In fact, it's got deeper over the many years. But certainly it was a... You could say it was a tipping point in... Uh, all our lives, those who were, you know, drawn to Bubba, uh, but also a tipping point in, in terms of the the direction that the organisation's taken and all that kind of thing since then. Watershed. Yeah, it was a watershed, exactly. And um, then there was this, uh, you know, they built this incredible uh, platform, a juncture on which uh, the Bubba was cremated. And I went in three times to there because we were allowed, anybody was allowed to come and see Bubba over that period of time. And I remember uh, I, w I went in that, uh, that uh, evening to see Bubba and it was, it's kind of like there was, a, there was a lightness around his body, like the values were vibrating. It was very, very interesting. And... Um, that's, so there was that, and then as, as that week went by, I went uh, a number of times, and for me then, my whole life changed pace. No longer was there this uh, drive to go to India in, in the way that I had been. I remember going uh, the year after, 1991, 92, because we had the first uh, global uh, Gurukul meeting for neo-humanism. And I've been very, as an educator, I've been very involved with neo-humanism over the years, um, trying to understand what it means, what its implications are and so on. So I went to that. But Ananda Nagar, for me personally, felt empty. And uh, yeah, and my, my life since then, it's been a growing internal relationship with Baba and Guru, yeah. Guru Dave, as they say. So that's pretty much the story of my physical encounters with Baba. So you also had some ectoplasmic with Baba. Yes, I did. Yes, some. Uh, I, I had a very, very interesting dream where I was with a group of devotees and we were at uh, the crucifixion of Jesus and I remember there was a ladder and interestingly enough uh, you, some of you will remember a, a, a beautiful devotee called Gotami from Ananda Pali. She was there with me and she went up and she put the crown of thorns onto Jesus's head and I was below and and the blood came splattering down and I looked at the feet of this person being crucified and they were Bubba's feet, as I remember them, 
from uh, from when he had rigor mortis and that the way the toes were curling and, and so on, they were exactly Bubba's feet. And I remember touch, touching the feet and it was Bubba. But in, for some reason, maybe I've got, I'm, we're born into a Christian culture. I have a Christian iconography there. I can only imagine that was what it was. But perhaps it's also that the guru is cosmic. Ultimately, it's not this body or that body, you know, Muhammad, Buddha, Jesus, Krishna, Shiva, whoever. Maybe that's the way to understand it. But certainly that was, that was one dream. And another dream, I'll only, uh, I mean, we have lots of dreams, I guess, along the way. Uh, if, if, yeah, at different times, sometimes lots, and then a drought, and then some, uh, some others. But I remember this particular dream was one where I was with Baba, and we were in uh, Tildula looking out. We came out onto the veranda there, area, uh, there was a veranda area, and looked out. And there below us was a river running, and in the river, was a man standing waist deep in the water, chanting, and he was chanting in, uh, in Sanskrit. Baba said, look at this man over here. I said, yes, Baba. And he said, do you know who he is? And I said, I don't know, Baba. He says, that's Valmiki singing the Ramayan. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> but I remember it very clearly because I remember how clear the body of the, the, this man was there. It was kind of like we were looking through time. I don't know what the date for the Ramayana is. It's probably three or 4,000 years ago or something, I'm guessing. But, you know, and, and there was this man who was, had this golden kind of light. He was incredibly vigorous, powerful man in the river, in uh, total sadhu, just in this kind of bliss, chanting this, this magnificent poem in Sanskrit. And Baba was showing me it. I have no idea why. Can we ever explain these things? <laughs> so I just finish off. So, Maranji, what are you doing now? What have you been doing? Um, well, I'm just back from a, uh, a wonderful festival at a, uh, an Andamaga master unit in Portugal called uh, Ananda uh, Kalyani. Um, and I was there to... Uh, to enjoy the spiritual flow, but I was also there to give a few classes. So I'm working at a university on the Sunshine Coast here in Australia. Uh, my key interests are in opening up the field of neo-humanism uh, as a sort of a, as a cultural, social, creative, aesthetic project. Uh, so uh, all those things that were triggered and stimulated years ago in, uh, by Bubba and obviously were preceded by my studies and, and whatever uh, are still flowing strongly and I just get so much bliss out of I'm constantly reading and, and sitting with Bubba's words and finding ways that they, they actually work with the words of others, that our society, our civilization, is in a crisis point. But we're in a crisis point where so many souls are rising up to offer a, a new vision of the world. And it's percolating all around us. It's not something that we have a monopoly of in an undermarga or anything like that. It's just this amazing groundswell. And I find that neo-humanism fits really nicely with that. And it, you know, for me, that's... That's where that's my core work is bridge building. I guess it would be between 
the, the world that is, that, that we inhabit. We're in Australia, for instance, so there's an Australian way of expressing it. But when I, I work a lot in India still, and I uh, work a lot in Europe, uh, and also some in North America, and I've also been going, went to Brazil, and I'm sure that will keep on opening up. So for me now, it's just, it's kind of like spreading the good news. There's this, there's this whole amazing cache of wisdom out there um, that is kind of like a reinvigorated tantra, which is a reinvigorated uh, indigenous wisdom, the, the indigenous wisdom of India. Baba totally, he breathed new life into it and gave it a much stronger social focus, a much stronger ecological focus. His love of plants and so on, as people who listen to this probably know, you know, all of that comes through. And his, his love of humanity and the cosmos. So that's that for me. I just get drunk on it. So. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that's a good way to end. Thank you. Namaskar, Maharaj. Namaskar, Maharaj. Thank you for your It's been a pleasure. <laughs>